Cook Line and Split of a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast brought to you by NJR Home Services. When it comes to your comfort, trust your home to the local Hagen cooling experts at NJR Home Services. Hit a home run for comfort. Your local heating and cooling experts. NJRHomeservices.com Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Hook, Line, and Splitter, episode 47. Well, it is a very exciting number. We're going to leave that in there. Hook, Land and Splitter, episode 47. This is a good one. Uh, we're joined by Emily Messina of the Reading Fighting Phils, Mike Ventola of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. We'll do our Phillies year and minor league recap. We're taping this October 5th, two days before game one of the 2022 National League wildcard series, Philly in St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. Lightstone Energy Group, a leading brokerage firm headquartered in New Jersey. Our goal is to provide clients with premium energy management services to lower electricity and natural gas costs and to provide long-term energy management strategy. We pride ourselves on bringing each and every individual business the same benefits of deregulation enjoyed by universities, municipalities, and all high-volume energy users, tailored products and contracts, lower costs, personal attention, and outstanding service. Call us today at 732-722-5880 to learn more about Lightstar Energy Group today. Two of the best people you'll ever meet, Mike Ventola, Lehigh Valley, Iron Pigs, Emily Messina, Reading Fight and Phils. We go through the Philly system. We have, uh, from each of our teams, we do pitcher of the year, hitter of the year, under the radar pitcher, under the radar hitter, and, and some other stuff as well. Player that we look forward that you're going to look forward to seeing next year. So we cover, you know, the whole system. Obviously, you know, the Andrew Painters and Mick Abels of the world, Griff McGarry, uh, among the top three Phillies pitching prospects. We talk a lot about Carlos De La Cruz, who played for both the Blue Claws and Reading Fight and Phils. Johan Rojas, who played for the same teams. Mike talks about some of the guys that began the year in Reading and are now in the big leagues with the Phillies, like Derek Colt, Dalton Guthrie, Nick Maton, and more. So uh, a lot to get to. This is a longer one, so we'll uh, we'll get right to it. Episode 47 of Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Mike Ventola, Emily Messina. It's the Phillies minor league year in review. Joined by Emily Messina from the Reading Fighting Phils, Mike Ventola from the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Welcome, guys. How are you? Doing great. So let's uh, we'll kind of bounce around the the system a bit. We know we're we're going to spend a, a good chunk of time, of course, with the uh, with the big pitcher with the uh, the big pitchers. But let's start. Uh, we'll start there. Let's go through. Give us kind of like a general overview of of um, you know of your seasons and, and some of the 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 notables that you saw, and then we'll go into. Uh, a little more detail, Mike, you want to get us started? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it was a really good year uh, for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, you know, turning in their first uh, winning season since 2018. Now, of course, obviously with the lost year in 2020, but, you know, it was really kind of cool to see this team come together and play well, you know, throughout the entire portion of the season. So uh, it was a credit to Anthony Contreras um, and his staff and what they were able to do in guiding uh uh, these young men as they're trying, of course, you know, not only win some games, but get up to Philadelphia, which the Iron Pigs were able to send up quite a bit of guys uh, throughout the year. You know, when I look up and down, uh, you know, the roster for the Iron Pigs throughout the year and, you know, there are certainly a few names that jump out, you know, Derek Hall, obviously what he was able to do this year, you know, 28 home runs and you know you sit there go okay what are 28 home runs but you know he was just one shy of tying Reese Hoskins uh single season record um here with uh here with the Iron Pigs which he had back in 2017 um you know and there was some other good offensive performances Dalton Guthrie was tremendous uh, career highs in batting average doubles home runs RBIs um, active on on the base path stealing bases you know so from position players standpoint those guys really stood out um, you know, but then from a pitching side, um, of course, I think the whole world, you know, got to learn about Mark Appel and what he was able to do this year. And of course, Michael Plassmeyer, um, who was, you know, acquired from the San Francisco Giants uh, organization, really stepped up in the second half of the year and uh, is actually, as the three of us talk today, um, is going to is up with the Phillies. He just got called back up. Yeah, yeah, he just went back ago. up. So it's it's kind of, you know, those were a few certain players. I'm sure we'll get into that more, Greg, um, as we talk here. But, um, you know, 75 wins, 
um, in, a, in what was, you know, 150, you know, game season. I thought it was a really good year for the pigs. Emily, go ahead. Uh, you know, we had a great player development year, I think, from Redding's standpoint. There was a lot of players that made some serious strides, especially a lot of younger players that got um, some midseason call-ups. And, of course, we had Andrew Painter and Mick Abel on our roster for the back half of the summer. So those guys were a ton of fun to watch and were every bit as good as promised. And then, you know, guys like Johan Rojas and Carlos De La Cruz really making their mark this season, I think, um, even had a couple of really good free agent signings that helped us, like Wendell Riho and Aldrin Corridor. So um, overall, I think, you know, um, we had a good a good group here, great personalities, great teammates, um, and always our coaching staff is phenomenal. Uh, with the with the blue claws, obviously the big story was the the pitching. Uh, Mick Abel, Andrew Painter, Griff McGarry. Uh, McGarry ended up with with Lehigh, uh, Mick and Andrew, who are younger, finished up with uh, with Double A Reading, so they were the kind of the big story. And then Ben Brown too, who was in that group with those guys before he got traded, uh, right before the right at the trading deadline there to the Chicago Cubs. Also, you know, Carlos De La Cruz had a really good year. He's in Arizona right now at the Arizona Fall League. Um, Baron Radcliffe, we'll get into him a little bit. He finished really strong, and then the Blue Claws got uh, some positive play from some guys at the end of the year, like Marcus Lee saying, Kendall Simmons and, and how you Lee up from Clearwater. And they will be here. Uh, you would think on opening day, 2023, uh, which here for the blue clause is on April the 11th. So that's a kind of a quick uh, overview team by team. We'll, we'll kind of fire off some questions for you guys uh, as we go through. So Mike, well, I'll start with you here. Let, give us the uh, position player of the year in Allentown? Well, talked about him briefly, but of course, you know, Derek Hall and um, our media uh, gets an opportunity to vote for an Iron Pigs hitter and pitcher of the year. Um, and Derek Hall was the hitter of the year. Uh, close to unanimously, there were some votes uh, for Dalton Guthrie. And, you know, Hall, you know, I talked already about the home runs and the RBI, but, you know, I thought for me, what was really impressive from him um, was, you know, he had a really good slugging percentage. His OPS was strong, but I thought even when he was able to go up to Philadelphia and have the success up in Philly, and though when he came back down, he had struggled a little bit, but then he was able to kind of find his way and finish the season strong here. So, and not only just with what he was able to do offensively, you know, with the power numbers, um, also too, able to hit 24 doubles. Um, you know, he had a hundred hits and was able to do all of this um, in 101 games, you know, he hit 28 home runs in 101 games, 88 RBI, which was um, eight shy of the team record uh, for a season, which was by Andy Tracy back in 09. Um, but just one error defensively. I think one thing that continuously gets overlooked about Derek Hall is how good of a defender he is at first base. And, you know, some people say, hey, Mike, you got the blinders on, but, you know, uh, Greg, you got to see him as well. And, you know, um, and for Emily, you as well. And you can sit there and see how good of he is defensively. And I think for him, um, now that he's back up with the Phillies, you know, probably more so in a pinch hit role op opportunity for the playoffs. But I'm really excited what 2023 is going to bring for him, whether it's with the Phillies, whether it's back here in AAA or with another organization. So um, he, to me, by far, uh, was not only just the offensive player here with Lehigh Valley, but of course, him having won the Paul Owens Award uh, this year was obviously the hitter of the system this past season. Emily? Um, from Reading's standpoint, our most valuable player this year was Wendell Reho. Um, batted team high 263, was really good for average and for power. And like Mike said, showcase a couple of different positions defensively. So that's always something that you got to look at. I'm not sure where his free agency is going to take him this year, if he's back with the Phillies or if he's with another team, but he really helped us out. He's on the younger side, but he's got quite a number of years of experience, was good on the base pass, was good in the field. And, um, you know, Wendell Riho was just a fun guy to have out there too. Uh, with a, with a blue claws, uh, I would say Baron Radcliffe, he was here the whole year, uh, you know, started a little slow, he picked it up and the last, you know, six weeks of the season, you know, he hit uh, over 300. He hit 347 in August. He had 17 home runs on the year, but 10 of them came uh, from July 30th on. And, you know, I, I asked him uh, about the, the turnaround. It's a cool story. So obviously every, every team had 
the four days off this year in July for the ML, to coincide with the MLB all-star break. And this year it was, it was late July. So he goes, he's from uh, Georgia. He, he said he, he went to, he went home for a few days and had a, a bunch of BP sessions with his dad and they kind of tweaked a, a couple of things and that, and then he came back and he said, he just felt a lot more comfortable at the plate. So he credited his, his father for uh, at least in part for his big finish to the season, which I thought was, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. So he, you know, he's a guy to watch. He was drafted in 2020, um, a college guy. He's going to, he's going to have to hit uh, as he moves up. He does have a very good eye at the plate. He'll, he'll take a lot of pitches and, and work a lot of counts. Um, but you know, he'll get a chance to go to, to Reading next year, which is a, a bit more of a hitter friendly park uh, than the one that he played in uh, at the blue with the blue claws this year, you know, Carlos de la Cruz got promoted uh, after 64 games. He was another one who finished strong. He had 10 homers and, those games, but I think six of them came in July, maybe even seven before he got, uh, before he got promoted to, to double a Reading where he finished, uh, where he finished really strong. And he's now in the Arizona fall league and, and Johan Rojas, I, he only hit two six. He hit a, actually he only hit two thirty here, but he's just dynamite on the, on the basis. He stole 33, uh, and got caught only once with the blue claws and then stole another 29 for, uh, for Emily there up in, uh, up in Reading. So, uh, this part like, will be the, uh, you know, when, when people talk about the Phillies farm system, they're going to go to the starting pitchers. So let's, uh, let's go there. Emily, you want to take this one first, the pitcher of the year for, uh, for your team? I mean, the accolades keep on coming from Andrew Painter. He got the Paul Owens award. He's baseball America's pitcher of the year. He's the minor league pitcher of the year. I mean, just an absolutely phenomenal season and it, it can't be understated a one, five, six ERA in three levels over 130 and two thirds innings. I mean, that's rare. That's a unicorn. You found one there. And um, his goal personally was to pitch over 100 innings and still feel strong by the end of the year and he accomplished that he led the entire farm system in strikeouts with 155 almost 30 more than the next guy um and what i really like about him is that he's young he's only 19 he is not afraid to go out and attack guys he would rather go up and accidentally let up a solo shot than walk a guy he's not going to put guys on but you know what he rarely gave up a home run he only had five the entire season um he's going to attack he's going to throw the the fastball pretty strong you know get up to 99 and then he's got three other pitches that he can throw for strikes so he is something to watch and and his partner in crime mick abel as well a 390 era and 108 and the third innings of pitch second and strikeouts with 130 um you can't look past him too i know everybody's going to look at Andrew Painter first, but to have that guy that's right there behind him is going to be pretty awesome down the stretch for the Phillies. Well, the way that uh, I kind of described it was, you know, if the Phillies top two pitchers in their system were Mick Abel and Griff McGarry, they'd be ecstatic with that. Uh, And then if Andrew Painter was on some other team, but when you throw him on the top, he's, he's got a, they're all really good. Um, but what Painter did at 19 to finish in double A's pretty much unheard of, you know, the, the Phillies hadn't had a 19 year old starting pitcher in high a, uh, since Sixto Sanchez in 2017, before that it was Cole Hamels in 2003. So you're talking three guys in 20 plus years that were 19 year old starting pitchers for the Phillies in in high A. And the thing with Painter is he was, when he got here in the first week of June, he was two months, uh, he had turned 19 two months prior. So he's a, uh, on the young end of 19, you know, there's talk about him competing for a spot in the Phillies rotation next year. I don't know if that'll happen at the beginning of the year, but he won't turn 20 until the second week of the MLB season, which is incredible. You know, it's incredible. I think April 11th, he will turn, um, He'll turn 20, so I'm sure Mike will get uh, get a chance to see him in person uh, next year. But, no, what he did here, he gave up three runs in his first game, and then he gave up one earned run in 33 and two-thirds innings uh, from that point on until his promotion. You know, there was He was supposed to start it on Father's Day here, and they, and they scratched him, and they decided to just give him a couple um, weeks off to save him up for the end of the year. And I think what happened was – it worked, you know, worked out perfectly because, you know, I don't even know that they thought they were going to get, you know, get him over a hundred innings. Remember he was pitching in high school last year and he only threw six professional innings last summer. 
but then to get him valuable time at the end of the season in double a get those five starts that that's only gonna that's a big one going into 2023 right the confidence that he's gonna have coming off of that excellent performance out and some really good competition in the eastern league i mean his his first start in double a was with the best team in the league at that point in time and he threw six shutout innings so he's certainly not afraid um to go out there and compete what did matt hockenberry the pitching coach up in reading say about him um, just kind of as I just described him, he called them both unicorns, um, you know, a pleasure to work with not, you know, he's not going to go out there and change anything that they're doing. Obviously, they're very successful. So we'll just wait and see and, and cater to whatever needs that they have, because, um, you know, they're in a really good place right now. And you don't need to go over there and out and overcoach them. You just, you know, need to be there for what they need and, and help them succeed. And, and Hockenberry did a really good job down the stretch of being there for the young guys. Who was the MLB put painter? Was the MLB pipeline uh, prospect of the year or pitcher of the year? And I read the article, and Preston Mattingly said that you know one thing that impressed them a lot was how he improved his command as he moved up at each level, which is pretty rare for any pitcher, let alone a 19-year-old. And you look at the numbers: Clearwater, 38 innings, 16 walks. Here with the Blue Claws, 36 innings, seven walks, and then Reading, 28 innings two walks just incredible there so I guess he would be the pitcher of the year here too Mike how about you guys you know um we weren't fortunate enough to get Andrew Painter this year but you know um, I would expect he Abel and McGarry you know no worse you could potentially all three could be wearing Iron Pigs uniforms maybe yeah. the 2023 season or unless whether they want to give some more innings for a guy like Mick Abel and double A, but I don't know. I, I think what we're seeing from those three is the Phillies are challenging them. And I think all three are, you know, accepting the challenges, you know, before I give our pitcher of the year, uh, Griff McGarry, we got to see him out of the bullpen. And, um, and that was of course, you know, a decision made because in case they wanted to use Griff up in the big leagues, goes to show you what they already think of Griff McGarry. If they're potentially wanting to use him in the big leagues, this, this past season here, this current season in some ways here at the big league level, but um, I would expect him to be back in the starting rotation full time uh, next year. And uh, I like him. I mean, he, he struggled. He got, he was going toe to toe with some, you know, former big league hitters. Um, but you also got to see some, we saw a couple outings though, where you could sit there and say, okay, this kid's got it. Uh, but gave up some home runs, you know, issued some walks, but I think it's so challenging at times for young pitchers, especially even McGarry, even still being very young um, to make that jump from double A AA to triple A. So, but um you know, obviously hearing everything about Painter and Mick Abel and Mick Abel obviously had an unbelievable strong finish himself in double A. So I know, um, you know, Philly fans, of course, even here in the office, we've been, you know, in Coca-Cola Park saying, man, maybe all three are wearing Iron Pigs uniforms to start the year. But for you guys, we got to see great starting pitching. We got to see some really good starting pitching here in Lehigh Valley. Uh, but we're going to go to a bullpen arm, Mark Appel. I mean, Mark Appel, um, he was uh, our uh, pitcher of the year here in Lehigh Valley, the media voting for him as well. Uh, Michael Plasmeyer, do want to state for the record, also received some votes. And, um, you know, but for what Mark Appel was able to do this year and, you know, it was so, it was movie-esque, you know, and what he was able to accomplish after, you know, going through injury, retiring from the game, coming back last season, working as a starting pitcher, kind of getting himself readjusted to the game of baseball, and then taking it a step further, making the transition to the bullpen late last year, going into spring training, and really being effective, throwing a lot harder, um, turned in just a magical year. It's funny, I've had the opportunity to, you know, just really sit back and kind of take it all in. And for him, when you kind of look at his numbers, 36 strikeouts in 40, 40 innings, just 17 walks. He only allowed 14 runs in 40 innings. Um, and he only gave up four home runs, but he was five for five in save opportunities. And, um, you know, I thought for me, um, you know, and he won six games. He was six and zero out of the bullpen as well, too, which is you know nowadays seems to be a lot, especially in a in a minor league season. But his fastball came with a lot more uh, a lot more command and a lot more velo to it. So he was throwing his off speed and breaking pitches really effectively. And and of course, he went up to Philadelphia, made his big league debut, and was very effective um, in his big league debut. Very effective as a big league pitcher this year. And he only was sent back down, not because of being ineffective, but because certainly wanted to get him more opportunities, get some innings, pitch more. Um, 
and just really turned in a magical year. You know, some say, well, those numbers aren't magical, but when you look at the story, Mark Appel, obviously it's magical in that right. And, you know, he is um, such a great story and selfishly, um, I think his rookie, he's still technically on his rookie contract. And I think it's up this year. Um, so I'm not sure what the future holds for Mark Appel selfishly. Um, Emily, as you can attest to having, you know, dealt with him, you know, would love to keep him around in the organization, but you know, obviously if he's out for greener pastures and, you know, that's the business side of things. So, but, uh, yeah, to me, it was Mark Appel and if Pat were here as well too. Um, I know him and I, we talked about extensively and, you know, uh, he said Mark Appel without question was the pitcher of the year. Uh, just a note on, on Mick Abel. I thought, you know, getting to see him every week, you know, the most impressive part was that he would go deep into games. You know, he had a stretch of seven uh, of eight starts where he pitched at least six innings seven times. And, you know, you know he threw one clunker in there, but that's going to happen. And he, um, he was just kind of a bulldog and he would go take every start, take the, take the ball every week. He's only 20 years old. He turned 21 uh, in August after he had been promoted to, to double a so you know he throws very hard good breaking ball develop developing the the change up and uh if if he was their number one pitching prospect the phillies would be ecstatic and they're just um they're over the moon that they have two of them with uh mick and, and andrew painter emily what did you what did you see what did uh, matt hockenberry say about mick abel you know what i think um with abel and also with painter and mcgarry is how impressive they are when um, you know, stuff doesn't go their way. You know, there's, you know, they, they, they give up a walk, they get a ball for call that they don't love. You know, somebody makes an error in the field, somebody gets on base. They're still locked in. They're still grinding. They're still saying next at bat, next at bat. How can I pitch out of the stretch and get out of the inning? Both Painter and Abel had some really good pickoffs late in the season that got them a lot. And same with McGarry too. Like, I know people are worried about his command, but he would walk a batter and he would still be locked in, ready to go and ready to get the next out. And I think having that maturity, especially in such young guys being unfazed um, on the mound can help you go deeper into the games. You don't allow one little <laughs> to ding up your entire start. And um, I think that everyone was really impressed with that. Go read the story by Alex Coffey in the Inquirer. It came out on July 15th, but if you just search, Inquirer, Alex Coffey, C-O-F-F-E-Y, Painter, Abel, and Ben Brown is in there too. Uh, it was a great story. She, she basically wrote the story around how the three of them and B Griff McGarry was, is in that mix too, but he had just been promoted uh, a week before she came out here uh, about how that, you know, they, they're really tight with each other. They pull for each other, you know, and it might just, it might be, it starts to start of course, but it's also bullpen, the bullpen too. So, you know, they're, they're, it's a great group of guys. They're, they're really close knit and, uh, good friends. And, and I think, um, you know, they're obviously they're both and McGarry as well, huge parts of the, of the Phillies future. Let's do the under the radar part uh, of the, of the proceedings here. Give us a, an under the radar position player, Mike, from, uh, from Lehigh this year, that might be one to follow. Um, you know, it's funny. You look up and down uh, the iron picks roster and, you know, it's kind of a guy that I, talked briefly about we know him well but I'm gonna say Dalton Guthrie and you know it's funny when the Phillies um you know when they were able to um kind of make you know a lot of their moves throughout the season and you always kind of wonder for a guy like Dalton you know who just yes he's a talented player and you know I think his work ethic kind of really allows him to get elevated to a certain level um, that was really starting to get taken of notice here this year. I mean, the numbers really jumped out, obviously hit 302 in 92 games, 10 homers, 52 RBI. Um, he stole 21 bases, had 27 doubles, 64 runs scored, had an on base percentage of 363 uh, with an OPS of 839. And I think for him to do that at this level um, was really impressive because he not only was just having been a traditional infielder throughout his career, then they're sticking him out in center field. He was our everyday center fielder here at Lehigh Valley. He played the position really well, um, could run after every ball, made some really great diving catches. Um, the arm is good. And, you know, for us, you know, when I remember sitting here just watching, thinking that, man, this is, I kind of reminded me of like when Cameron Perkins was coming up the uh, minor league system, Greg, I know you remember, uh, Perkins and no, uh, he never played here. He oh, skipped he it. Yeah, oh, he skipped. 
That's right. He skipped. Uh, he skipped you guys. We were low A at the time. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, but Perkins was kind of another, um, and I say this as positive as I can, but Perkins was an overachiever in a sense where he may not have been the most talented guy, but he was outworking everybody. And that's kind of, you know, for Dalton Guthrie, he just outworks and his work ethic and his baseball IQ. I mean, obviously when your dad played in the big leagues, as long as his dad did, that goes a long way. So, but uh, you know, I think for him, I say, he is under the radar because I think that he can have a chance to join a big league team and being a utility guy, a guy coming off the bench. Um, but I don't know if he really fits as much under the radar anymore because I think now people are starting to take notice of Dalton Guthrie. Well, when he played here and when Nick Maton played here, they were the double play combo. Guthrie played short and Maton played second every day. Hmm. And the Phillies have been – reasonably aggressive, especially as the guys move up and kind of bouncing them around and prioritizing that versatility. But they're two perfect examples because, you know, the, the Phillies clinched the playoff spot two days ago, as we taped this on Wednesday, October 5th. And they on their roster right now are Dalton Guthrie and Nick Maton. And it's, you could make the case very easily that neither one of them would be in the big leagues right now, if they couldn't play in the outfield and they've added that and they can play all over the infield if needed, you know, they don't, they don't need them. You know, they haven't really needed them to play short or third, except in a pinch. But you know, they've they've needed them to play in the outfield. You know, Mayton played in the outfield in a pinch, and the whole thing's been kind of crazy. Guthrie got called up because they had no other outfielders when Castellanos got hurt and Mickey Moniak had been traded. So I think that's uh, that's been very important. Uh, Emily, go ahead. Um, I said this name before. You said it before. I will harp this name until people understand how good Carlos De La Cruz is going to be. Because I mean. His back half of the season was absolutely incredible. He is so much fun to watch. He's 6'8", but he has like total feel of where all of his body is, which is incredible to me. He's really good in the outfield. He moonlighted a little bit at first base, which is a lot of fun to watch. Um, and he hit 17 home runs this year. Um, I know you saw a bunch there in Jersey, Greg, which is 10 more than he's had in every other year prior. He hit 271, he got 99 hits, and he only played 100 games because he got a little bit late start to the season. So he didn't play as many games as everybody else, but he carried his weight, 22 doubles as well. Um, pretty speedy on the base pass. He gets to balls in the outfield that other people wouldn't even have a look at. So he is super fun to watch. He's playing out in surprise for the fall league. Um, I think this is where he takes off. Yeah, he, when he came, he opened the year here on the development list, uh, whatever that is. I still don't know what that is, but he opened the air on the development list. They sent us 32 players, but we had 30, uh, we had 30 spots and he didn't get activated until the third week of the year after Luis Garcia broke his wrist. And then he, he was also played, played some first, which he hadn't done, um, you know, since high school, we had him in 2019. This was low a at the time. And, you know, he's six foot eight and, you know, he's got a longer swing. He's got an enormous strike zone to protect. And it's, it was it was pretty tough. You know, he chased a lot of breaking balls and everything. And, you know, he's got to protect a, a huge strike zone. So it took a little while, but it started to click in for him this year. I, I don't think if you ask the Phillies at the beginning of the year, um, who would be on your short list to go play in Arizona? I don't know that he, for the fall league, which is going on right now, that he would have been on it, but he earned his way there. He had a great year and he's getting a really cool opportunity uh, this fall in the AFL, which, uh, which just started earlier this week. So definitely, uh, definitely rooting for him. Um, great kid and, and uh, happy to see him succeed. Uh, over here, um, we got a few more under the radar pitchers, but I guess as a position player, you know, uh, a couple guys finished the year here that didn't, that started the year with Clearwater, Kendall Simmons and Marcus Lee sang and, and played pretty well. Simmons was a high pick in 2018 and, finally got up to uh, got to high a this year uh hit for he's, he's got some pop and he played pretty well at the end of the season for the blue claws so definitely looking forward to seeing him play a little bit more in the spring and then marcus lee sang is an outfielder who was drafted in 2019 uh high school draftee and he had committed to st john's the phillies ended up signing him at the at the deadline um left-handed hitter you know he had a, a two home run game in august the first home run was fair down the right field line by about 
15 or 20 feet. And the second home run was fair down the left field line by about five feet. So, you know, he's got, he can hit it to, to both fields. So, and he can, you know, he can run, he can steal bases and um, he'll be, he'll be the center fielder. I would think for the blue claws at the beginning of 2023 missed the last couple of weeks with a non-serious shoulder injury, but it was enough to miss a couple of weeks. And then being at the end of the year, you know, they're not going to push anybody. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely one that, um, that we'll have, have our eye on. Uh, and I think he'll be back in, in, uh, in April. So under the radar, uh, pitcher, Emily. Under the radar pitcher. Hmm. Let's start with Mike. Start with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, you know, I'm just going to just talk to a guy I kind of talked about already and Michael Plasmeyer. Uh, he, when he first came over, um, from the, uh, from the San Francisco Giants. He was with uh, their AAA team in Sacramento. Um, he was struggling. He had, um, he, he had an ERA over seven. He appeared in, I think, 11 games, made 10 starts. Um, he had 47 strikeouts in 46 and a third innings with 24 walks, but he gave up 50 hits, but the home runs, he was having an issue with the home runs. He gave up 15 home runs in 46 and a third innings pitch, but he was really able to kind of come over here and, um, he, he, he has spoken about it publicly that um, and he gives a lot of credit to Cesar Ramos, the Iron Picks pitching coach. Um, and he said that he was just able to kind of really simplify, fine tune a few things. And he came over really just pitched effectively. And Greg, Emily, and for those watching, listening, that you sit there and you go, you know, when you look at him pitch and you're sitting there going, uh, he's not blowing up the uh, radar gun by any means, you know, he's low nineties, mid nineties at best, you know, depending on how he can pump a fastball in there. But, you know, in 16 starts, he struck out 82 batters in 82 innings, just 23 walks. And for him, um, he was really just going deeper into game six innings here, seven innings here. Um, and was just really keeping hitters off balance with his fastball change up slider combination. And the Phillies were able to take notice of that. They brought him up to uh, Philadelphia um, and he actually pitched well in his big league debut where he threw, uh, I think, an inning in relief um, back when he was called up uh, here late in the season. So um, I think he's just a, a pitcher to keep an eye on. And he was and they traded away Austin Wins. Austin Wins was playing really well here for the Iron Pigs, um, you know, as a veteran catcher, um, you know, there had been, you know, with Donnie Sands. Ha suffering, suffering um, some time due to injury. Uh, Rafael Marchand, who of course, though playing every day, but then he was hurt at one point. And then of course, COVID comes into play from time to time. So he was playing and he was playing really well. So, but then obviously um, Phillies wanted to get themselves another arm, a good lefty. So I think Philly fans uh, need to keep an eye on Michael Plasmeyer. Okay. Down here. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was, um, I'll send, I'll give you a guy to finish with you that that's Andrew Baker. He throws a hundred miles an hour and on the scoreboard gun here at the ballpark, for whatever the reason, it's four miles an hour slow. I don't know why they can't just reprogram it, but it's four miles an hour slow. And he hit 99. He's the only one who hit 99 on the scoreboard gun, which is also goes on to MILB TV. Um, he throws really hard and he's developed a, a slider that that's pretty good he got a lot better as the season progressed uh, if you break out his april may and june uh compared to july through the end of the year you, um, you'll see how much better he got and then he earned a he earned a promotion to reading i think the other thing was the phillies were very very careful with him at the beginning of the season they were mad he was pitching two innings a week basically like wednesday saturday or tuesday friday and then they finally started to let him go a little bit at the beginning of, of, uh, of August. So you'd see a lot of two inning outings and everything. And uh, with a, with a blue clause in July and August, he threw 21 innings, gave up only six runs and struck out 37 hitters uh, throws really hard. He's obviously a reliever, but he's got a chance, you know, the relievers can move quick, especially the ones that have good stuff. I know every reliever seems to throw 96 miles an hour now, but not a lot of them throw hundred. And, you know, he throws a, he throws a legitimate hundred miles an hour, and I think he's got a chance to be in the big league bullpen at some point in 20, maybe even in late 2022, uh, late 2023 or early 2024, you know, the, and the Phillies have developed relievers like that, you know, Connor Brogdon and Sir Anthony Dominguez are 
two examples of guys that are currently in the big league bullpen, but you know, he's got the, um, you know, he's got the, the, the stuff to be one of those under the radar types that gets up to the, to the big leagues. You know, they had Kyle Doey make it a couple of years ago, or I guess at the end of last year, um, Zach Warren got close, you know, they, they have a lot of these guys that throw hard and it, it doesn't click in for everybody, but I think, uh, I think it's, it's going to click in here for, for Baker now that he's kind of tweaked his command. He, he's got a chance to be pretty good. Emily, go ahead. Yeah, can confirm. Saw Baker hit triple digits a couple times up here. He only gave up one earned run in his ten and two thirds up here, um, and he did end up making. By the end of the year, he was the number thirty prospect for the Phillies farm system. So I'm super excited to see where he goes. And I'd also like to highlight um, another lefty, Mike Taylor Layman. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's another guy they're giving more innings to out in the fall league, but. A hard-throwing lefty in the bullpen is always needed. He made the full-time transition out to the bullpen after being a starter after his surgery, and it has really, really clicked for him. He did make a couple of spot start openings for the Fightins this season just because we did have a good number of bullpen games, and he was really impressive there. So he can be kind of used however they need him to, which is funny to think about. We always think about that for position players, but for a pitcher that can, you know, take – take any spot that is needed and fill in is really impressive. And um, I think Taylor Lehman is flashing some good stuff and I'm excited to watch him out in the fall league. Who is somebody Mike that you're looking forward to seeing? Well, this is a layup for you. Who are you looking forward to seeing with your team next year? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I kind of hinted already. Um, do we, do we here in Lehigh Valley, are we graced with the big three, you know, do we want to call them the big three with McGarry and Painter and Abel? I mean, to, you know, from a pitching side of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, you know, look, and we all agree selfishly we'd love for all three of these kids to go down to big league spring, uh, spring training in 2023, kick butt, make the big league roster, but that's probably not going to happen. Not because of a, a ability, but just because of, you know, the Phillies where they're at with their big league roster. So I would expect, and if, okay, maybe not all three, maybe at least two of the three, because maybe then if, you know, there's talks, of course, Andrew Painter could certainly compete and they're really high on him. Um, if he were to ever join a big league, uh, you know, join the big league roster, I'm not sure right out of the gate in spring training, but yeah, I mean, we're, that's what we're kind of looking forward to um, from that standpoint. So. Emily. I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more out of Ethan Wilson. He only came up for the past you know, the last couple of weeks for us, but he ended up playing with the most games in the entire farm system. 130 out of 138 is really impressive splitting time between Reading and mostly in Jersey Shore. But down the stretch, he was really fun to watch um, out in the outfield and up at the plate. So I'm excited to see a little bit more out of the him this year and see how he grows because that was really his first true professional season. Yeah, here, you know, how you, Lee, came here at the end of the season for a couple of weeks and he's from Taiwan. He's only, we talked about how young Painter is. Lee's only two months older. He'll turn 20 in February, February 3rd. Um, you know, he, play, he only played nine games and had a home run. He was nine for 35. He's very strong. You know, you, you look at him for, for a 19-year-old. He's, uh, he, he's, he's well-built, and he hits the ball a long way. His home run was... Uh, it went like 430 feet to left center field past our scoreboard up, um, up here. It was, it was a missile. So, you know, he's, he's really good, a uh, really good prospect. I wouldn't say he's under the radar. He's in the, he's a top 10 prospect in the, in the system. It took uh, two days for him to be here when we had media from Taiwan that was into, into talk to him on a second day, a group of three people came down from New York at the, at like the New York base of a Taiwanese news outlet uh, based in the city. And they came down to, to talk to him on his second day and they saw him hit a home run. So uh, he, he's definitely one guy that I think will form the anchor of the blue Claws lineup next year, him, Marcus Lee saying, and, and Kendall Simmons. So that'll be uh, that'll be pretty cool. Anybody that we haven't touched on that probably merits a uh, merits a mention. I know Emily, we probably should give uh, Johan Rojas a little, a little love if uh, if Painter leaves a ball up in the zone by chance and somebody hits it into the gap, there's a decent chance Rojas is going to go run it down. You know what? I was thinking just that, Greg, Mike, he's going to be fun for you. I, I imagine he'll start in AAA. Um, he had a fantastic time down the stretch in Reading, 
Um, you know, we talk about his speed on the base pass. He had 62 this season, which he's the first Phillies player since 2009 when Anthony ghosted it to steal more than 50 bases, which is insane. I think he's tied for 12th all time with Larry Boa um, in the minor league stolen bases. But I think, you know, that speed translates into the outfield as well. He, he gets to balls that you would think nothing of that they dropped in. He makes an out. He's like Spider-Man up in that wall in center field. But he can also moonlight at the other two outfield positions as well. Ton of fun to watch. He'll lay down a bunt and run it out for a single, you know, when it could have been a sacrifice. He'll drive the ball the opposite way. He is going to be something for the Phillies, that's for sure. For me, I'm going to go back to the bullpen here. I'm going to cheat and give you two left-handed arms to keep an eye on. Uh, Jonathan Hennigan and Jacob Hernandez. Um, Jacob Hernandez quietly had a really good year. 69 strikeouts in 49 innings. Um, you know, was just really called upon in some big moments with six for eight and save opportunities. Only uh, just 19 walks in 49 innings. And, you know, his ERA lowered it by one full run less from 2021 to 2022. And you could just see, though not flashy, but it, able to really just throw strikes consistently. And the other, of course, Jonathan Hennigan, who um, also has had a really had a really nice year, 55 strikeouts in 58 and two-thirds innings. Um, had to make a couple spot starts, but appeared in 45 games. And I just think, you know, if the Phillies are looking for some younger left-handed options that, you know, could maybe make a play next year, those are two left-handed bullpen arms that can certainly get some consideration. So um, I'm excited to see uh, what next season can look like for the both of those guys. And, uh, but yeah, Jonathan Hennigan and Jacob Hernandez for me. And Kyle Glagoski really finished well uh, with the blue plus. He was awesome here in 2019. Uh, he actually, he made back then we played all-star games. We don't do that anymore in the minors, but he made, he got to the blue plus on May 1st of 2019 and made the all-star game, which was in the third week of June. Uh, and then he went to Clearwater, which was high at the time and, and pitched really well. And then the COVID year and I know. Didn't Mike, didn't he go to you guys to make a, like the start, like the third game of the year, fourth game of the year, somebody yeah. got called up, somebody yeah. got hurt and it was a total disaster. Oh yeah. They had to, cause I remember with talking with Gary Jones, the manager of the Iron Pigs at one time and when it came to starters and uh, you know, for uh, who was going to, they needed a spot starter. And he was like, yeah, we may have to, we may be bringing somebody up from, uh, from, from Lakewood. I was like, Oh wow. Like, you know, cause I don't know what Reading situation was at the time. Well, he, he was in Reading. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, in, in Reading, but he, yeah, he came up and struggled, but um, unlike, you know, when they haven't had to go, they've gone to the well before, like Victor Vargas came up and made a step, spot start last season and was uh, ridiculous. And he threw seven innings of shutout ball and in, uh, in his one start with Lehigh Valley. So it can happen, but yeah, you know, I've noticed it's not easy. Out, it's not easy. But and it was his first game in two years. Like the whole, the whole thing was a mess. Cause I, I we sent Jordani Mosqueda to Emily to yeah. Reading, mm -hmm. and then I think uh, I think we bullpen gamed it. I don't remember. Pretty sure we bullpen. Yeah, but anyway, so that whole year got off to the wrong start for him, and then he got hurt, and he was in and out of the lineup, and he was in Clearwater rehabbing, and that didn't work. So that year was a waste. And then this year he gets off. He's a little behind coming back from the injury, and he got here like late May, and he was great. And I, I was a little surprised they didn't send him up to – Reading especially because he had already been there and Reading needed a few, you know, before Abel and Painter went up, I know Emily was saying you guys did a few bullpen games a week. Yeah, we were averaging two or three bullpen games a week. Yeah. And I think down the stretch, Mike. Which is crazy. I That's all we had outside of Pla – we got to a point that outside of Michael Plasmeyer and Christopher Sanchez, every day was a bullpen game. And then That's you got – he sent you Ski Row, and then you took Ski Row. Yeah, then, then Ski Row came up. By the way, his two home starts – he was ridiculous, like six innings, no runs, and just he'll give, you, he'll give you five or six every time. He he fades a little bit down the stretch, but I think that we don't talk about Noah Skiro enough, honestly. Um, he's like such a stable starter, which is so rare nowadays. <laughs> yeah, he was impressive. Um, and to me, there were moments where, you know, Lehigh Valley needed starting pitching, and I just kept saying – I know your top guy, because I knew they weren't going to rush up Abel. They weren't going to rush up Painter. But I'm thinking, no, Skiro, no, Skiro. Then finally it happened. So I get it. There's a process for all these guys. But 
um, his two home starts here were really good. So um, who knows? Could be part of the AAA rotation here next year. So the Phillies are we re recording this on October 5th at 2 o'clock before the uh, final game of the season, but it's a meaningless game. Thoughts on the Phillies heading into the uh, into the playoffs here from a uh, from a minor league standpoint? Any guys that uh, maybe recently played in Lehigh, recently played in Reading? Give us a, a little overview here from the for the Phillies as they go to St. Louis. You know, I tell you, when you look at some of the players that were with Lehigh Valley this season that are up in the big leagues, you know, we talked about them with Dalton Guthrie, uh, Nick Maton, you know, Michael Plasmeyer's up there as of now. So I know, of course, they have to, you know, finalize the playoff roster and, um, you know, a lot of current iron, uh, a lot of former iron pigs who are just current iron pigs. Derek Cole, of course, getting an opportunity. I think, you know, these are guys that really bided their time, played hard and are all deserving of these uh, promotions. So I'm excited to see how, especially in a, sh in a short three game series, I'm not sure if anybody is going to be starting, you know, per se, uh, but certainly availability off the bench coming out of the bullpen uh, can really help um, the Phillies in trying to, of course, uh, get the best of the St. Louis Cardinals. But I tell you, you know, quickly from a major league standpoint, I know it's tough to go into a, a city on the road and win a playoff game. But if you're a Phillies fan, you got to feel all the confidence in the world with Will, you know, with either Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nolan, game one or game two, however that goes. They have as good of a chance, and especially against that Cardinals uh, really good lineup. Um, of course, with, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado and what they were able to do, it's going to be a fun series. But I'm excited that not just former Iron Pigs, but, of course, former Blue Claws, former uh, Fighting Phils, you know, all these guys at one point or another put on all these uniforms at one time. It should be it should be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm just so excited how much homegrown talent there is that's going to be on this roster. You know, it's something that came up the farm system and ended up producing good things. And I think that says really good things about the future. I really appreciate how much these guys are willing to adapt to every role that is needed and, and kind of sub in wherever they feel like, you know, you're thinking of Zach Eflin closing out the game the other night, you know, just, he's a starter obviously, but coming back from injury, he said, let me get in and let me help wherever I can. And he's doing just that. So I think, um, you know, it's going to be a competitive series. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Bailey Falter and Ranger Suarez, I Suarez had a great year last year, um, and he and he's been awesome for the last few months. Last night, notwithstanding, uh, and who knows where the Phillies would have been without Bailey Fault. He bailed him out a few times. I, th I think I saw a stat um, from Matt Gelb. He Falter was the winning pitcher, winning starting pitcher, ending two three-game losing streaks and a five-game losing streak uh, this year for the for the Phillies, and a guy that wasn't you know expected to be a part a major part of the plan. So that was really cool. And then the other thing I'll say on Monday night when they clinched, I, I was so happy for Dusty Wathen. Yes. Dusty yes. was the manager. Dusty was here my first year, um, which is a long time ago. No, in 09, my first year, he was the manager and he was awesome. And he gets up to the Phillies in 2017, I believe, was his first year. Yeah, 2018, 2018 right. So 2018, his first year with, with Gabe Kepler. And they had he gets their tough September missed the playoffs tough 19 tough September missed the playoffs 2020 tough September missed the playoffs 2021 tough September missed the playoffs and they finally get through and uh, I, I was I was so happy for him uh, I don't know if you were, were watching on I think it was Friday uh, Reese Hoskins hit a home run in DC in the first inning of the game it was the day game and they had lost a couple games in a row. I think that they just got swept in Chicago. And when Hoskins ran a third, Dusty gave him like an extra big high five and pat on the back and kind of like shoved him as he ran by him uh, after the high five. And you could just tell how much he knew how it knew how important that home run was. I thought that was cool, but Dusty's just a, an awesome guy. And I, he's been up there for a while. He's on his third manager now um, up there and they're finally going in, and I'm really happy for him. Oh, and in addition to Dusty, because uh, when I was in Emily's post for of the, my five seasons in Reading, three of them, Dusty was uh, the manager, but also two got to give a shout out to Dave Lundquist as well, too, who was the bullpen coach. Dave, uh, Lundy was the pitching coach in Reading in 14 and 15 before coming up to Lehigh Valley. So 
Um, both of them, it's funny, they have both been together coaching in the minor league system for a long time, uh, Dusty and Lundy. So, you know, like you said, Greg, just to see uh, those guys, you know, kind, you know, finally get the chance to experience uh, some postseason baseball up at the big leagues, it's going to be really uh, cool to see for those guys. But think about, too, for us, you know, we're fortunate enough in our positions to uh, interact and have conversation with um, a lot of Philly personnel who, of course, work in the minor league, minor league side, you know, whether they have or currently do, and then get an opportunity to um, you know, work on the major league side of things. So from athletic training uh, staff, strength co uh, staff, co uh, coaches and coordinators, we've seen, of course, all the, you know, uh, coordinators, you know, hitting, pitching, outfield, things of that nature that, you know, have helped develop these guys and get these guys up to the big leagues. So as much as this is a wonderful time to celebrate all the big league guys, of course, the three of us who, um, you know, talk minor, you know, are the faces and voices of these minor league teams. Uh, you know, we got to give credit to, you know, though I'm sure for those, you know, folks, they got to be feeling pretty special knowing it's been a lot, you know, for some of them has been a long time coming. So it's really nice to see. Yeah. Uh, Lundquist was the blue club. Lundquist was his first year in the Philly system was 2008 here. He was the pitching coach. That was before me and Dusty. I believe that was his first year too. Uh, he managed Williamsport in 2008. Uh, and then Matt is here in 2009, and I'm almost positive 2008 was his first year in the Philly. So those guys have been um, – this is their 15th year now in the Philly system, so that's uh, so that's really cool. So, guys, thank you so much. This was a blast. Uh, it was a good year for the Philly system, a good year for the Phillies, period. And uh, hopefully hopefully uh, it will be a good October. It'll be interesting. Three games all in St. Louis. I think I give them – I get, I get, I give them a hell of a shot. Yeah, I, right? I think they're gonna, I, I think there will be a game in Philly next Friday. I'm with you. And you know what's funny, real quickly, my final thought you talked about Bailey Falter. Uh, you know, if the Phillies got to go, go to a game three starter, he's a strong candidate because of those statistics that you talked about. He has pitched really well for the Phillies this year in big moments. Could be a potential game three if it's, of course, if not, they decide to go with Kyle Gibson or. Um, or, or Ranger, Ranger. I think it'd be Ranger. Well, I think they said Nola Wheeler Suarez. Well, they did say that already. Yeah. It's probably like Greg said, it's probably not good. It's probably going to go back to back. Like somebody will come in four innings, five innings. Probably. Well, if you're in a game three, that's a, on Sunday, that's an elimination game. So you better everybody's be. Yeah, everybody's ready. Everybody's, everybody's ready. <laughs> everybody's Everyone ready. probably except the game two starter. Like, you know. Yeah. Which is Nola, which would be uh, Aaron Nola. So, yeah. who both, who Aaron Nola, that's former Reading Fight and Phil and former Lehigh Valley Iron. That's right. Aaron. Yes. Guys, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Uh, we'll talk soon. You Thanks. got it, Greg. See ya, guys. Since 1986, Rich Green Lawns has been the leading lawn fertilization company of the Jersey Shore, providing lawn fertilization, bed weed control, ticket mosquito control, as well as tree and shrub programs. Mention this ad and save 50% off your first lawn application. Call or text us today at 732-370-5963. Thanks to Mike Ventola and Emily Messina for joining us here. Mike from the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, Emily from the Reading Fight and Fills on Hook, Line, and Splitter, episode 47 of Jersey Shore Blue Claws Podcast. <laughs>